0: This is Podco Media Networks. It's the Demystifying Data Podcast with Chris Clegg, where we deconstruct the tools and techniques marketers need to make data more actionable. Here's Chris. Hello, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. So there's two things I want to share today on the podcast. The first has to do with a process that we've been using for quite some time here at Portma, and I think it's worth sharing how we do it and why we think it's valuable and then I really want to dive into this idea of message to market match which is such a fundamental theory in marketing and I want to talk about how that applies to the way we design experiential marketing campaigns Let's start off with this process idea and and this way in which we assure quality, because here's the secret. People make mistakes. People make mistakes when it comes to numbers. 17s become 71s when they get transcribed from a spreadsheet into a report. And while that is always going to happen, it is absolutely unacceptable for that to find its way into the final version. So we have to have tools and methods to prevent that. And it all boils down to replication. It all boils down to doing the same thing twice and comparing it. So let me share a couple examples of how that's done. And it's a part of every process that we we have here on this side. So first of all, when you're when you're coding something, when you're data entering something, you've got to apply an ID to the source material and you've got to double code it. And what that means is that you have one person who's entering information, attaching what they've entered to an ID, and then you have somebody completely different, entering the same information and the same ID. And this may seem like it's unnecessary replication, but it's the only way to assure quality. Because if there's anything about those individual coders, the individual process that is subjective, then they're gonna have a different interpretation. And when two people are interpreting things differently when it comes to data, you're gonna have no value or variation in your resulting analysis. And it's not gonna be because there isn't something happening out there in the universe, it's gonna be because you have a data anomaly, you have this problem with the way the data was collected. So you have two people do the same thing and then you use that common ID to merge what they've done, you compare the results, and when the results are not the same, then you investigate it and you figure out, okay, why is that different and how do we correct it? And we do that in in everything we do anytime there's any sort of manual coding process. And the other piece has to do with production of a report, production of information off of data, there's actually a, a trade-off that has to happen between data analysts in order for you to assure quality. So the person who's doing an analysis and and populating a report can't be the same person who's checking the quality of that report. So if somebody is completing an analysis and writing a report, putting that data into the report, the quality assurance step has to be another analyst of equal skill who can go to the raw source data Repeat the analysis and then check the numbers off of that. And that's doing two things. It's catching the typos, it's catching the 17s that became 71s, but it's also checking the logic, the checking the thinking. It's making sure that why something was done and the way it was done makes sense. In data science, there are often decisions that have to be made where you're choosing between two perfectly reasonable directions to go in, but in a broader context, one could be much better or much more informative than the other. And you're never gonna get a person who has one perspective and one idea, no matter how good that analyst is, you're never gonna get them to be right on that 100% of the time. So they've always gotta replicate it. And and it's true of science in general. Replication is everything in science. And having your methods be clear and, and laid out in such a way that someone else who understands the academics of it can do the replication is what the world of science is based on. And as marketers and as data scientists working in marketing, there really is no difference okay so let's shift gears now and talk about message to market match because you know it will always be easier to sell a hamburger to a hungry carnivore brands have target consumers and they're trying to reach these people for a variety of reasons sometimes they're looking to expand their presence in a particular niche Sometimes there are certain types of people they want to target, who they believe are more likely to buy. Sometimes there's segments within their current buying population that if they just gave them the right information, those populations would increase consumption and and buy more. But in all situations, there's a target market, there's a consumer that the marketing is designed to get to. And there's a message that's been built. There's a message that is a way to describe the value proposition of the brand that is believed to speak to this particular market or this particular consumer for very specific reasons. And we call that in marketing the message to market match. And the message to market match, I would argue, is the most important theory and idea in marketing in general. And when we're analyzing data and we're analyzing information that defines the outcome of marketing, we're dealing with how well that right type of message was communicated to that right type of consumer. And when marketing is not working, it's because the message or the market are off. Now, the message is developed when you have an understanding of the things the consumer values, how they think about and perceive the problem that the brand solves. And that is often developed through research, through Marcom research. And it has to do with ascertaining the values, the beliefs, the habits, the attitudes, the way in which the consumer is living their lifestyle, and how the brand aligns with all of that and the role that the brand plays in that lifestyle and then those values, beliefs, habits, and attitudes. And that's communicated in your marketing. It's communicated in any kind of marketing. And then how well that's communicated to the right kind of people will get to the heart of you understanding with your data on whether or not the marketing is working and why. In many cases, and what we'll focus on here, is those situations where the match is off, where you're reaching the wrong kind of consumer, and how you manage that with an experiential marketing. So most marketing channels have it a lot easier than experiential does. Most marketing channels have a very mature, established process for aligning the media buy with the target market. And so, if you're talking about radio or you're talking about TV or you're talking about magazines, you have different radio stations, you have different TV channels, you have different magazine subscriber bases. And all of those are defining particular types of consumers that are attracted to the content being pushed out through those channels. So, for example, you know, Howard Stern is going to appeal to a different demographic profile than NPR, or, or Spike TV has a very different demographic profile watching the shows than the hallmark channel team magazine is going to have a different subscriber base than national geographic now that's that's not 100 percent true there's, there's going to be overlap in all of those examples but more often than not there is going to be some clear defined consumer groups that are attracted to each of those channels and as experiential marketers we have to do the same thing we have to find the consumers we're trying to target except it's not as laid out for us. What we have is the only tool to do that is our venues and our venue selection and the routing schedule. And experiential marketing will look at routing schedule and will look at the venues in different types of consumer destinations and use that to help ascertain the kind of people that are more likely to be there than not. So state fairs are gonna have more families and the Hot Rod Association is gonna have more of the 18 to 24 year old demographic. We know that air shows are going to have an older male crowd. Home shows are going to have new home buyers. And sometimes it's very obvious and sometimes it's not very obvious. Sometimes the lines are much grayer or blurrier within uh, the experiential world. But the most important thing to remember is that when it comes to your data analysis and when it comes to your attempts to find insight from experiential marketing data that you're always including venue, that you're always including the place in which the activation occurred, and you're holding that as a variable that you can then segment your outcomes by. So you might segment sales, hand sales, you might segment signups, you might segment purchase intention or advocacy, whatever measures you're using as your impact variable or as your outcome, You want to make sure you segment that by venue type across your mobile tour, across your experiential, because that's where you're going to see a lot of insight. And if you can find certain venues that are generating a much stronger impact than others, that's actionable because you can then use that as the roadmap of what to do in the future. So a couple examples of how this kind of lays out. You know, when we were looking at an outdoor music venue that had a wide variety of acts and musical bands that were, were going to attend over, over the sponsorship period. And our client was the sponsor of this venue. And they were there regardless of what the band was. And it seems obvious in hindsight, but at the time it wasn't so. And we saw a lot of variation on when we were creating signups and when we weren't based on uh, when we aligned the outcome information with the activation schedule. And sometimes it was a home run and sometimes it wasn't. And it wasn't until we started looking very carefully at the different bands that we started to see these obvious connections that the CCR tribute band had a very different demographic profile than when the Jonas Brothers were there. And then all the different bands had all kinds of different consumer targets or different consumer profiles that were at the venue based on that band being there. And that all resulted in different levels of impact. And when we were able to deconstruct all of that, when we were able to find out here's the trends, here are the kinds of bands that are associated with the greatest return, and these are the ones that aren't, We were able to then instruct the brand and instruct the agency on how to make the most of their activation schedule. Now, they were committed to be there with every event. They had to have a presence, and that presence needed to be consistent. But there were times when they could minimize it, and there were times when they could plus it up, and they had that flexibility. And by doing that strategically based on the way they linked the venue, the crowd, to the outcomes, they were able to get much more value out of the sponsorship. Another example has to do in the travel uh, services industry. And we did this research a little while ago. And and the company was activating at airports, they were activating at conferences, and they were at office parks. And now the overall plan was to garner signups and to to garner travel through this service. And the overall ROI was fantastic. I mean, it was uniquely high. It was higher than we see in most experiential campaigns, the ROI overall across all venue types was up at around 600%. And 600% is a fantastic return on investment in any scenario, especially in experiential marketing. But when we segmented that ROI by airports, by conferences, and by office parks, we saw a wide variation. We saw over a thousand point difference in ROI between those different groups. When they were at airports, and airports were incredibly expensive. It was so much money to be behind security at these locations. But when they were there, even with all those additional expenses, they saw the ROI up at 1,519%. 1,519% at airports versus an index or an overall of 600%. Now, when they were at conferences, they saw a 616% return on investment, still outrageously strong, fantastic, fantastic number, but almost a third of what they were seeing when they were at airports. And then at the office parks, Still, great opportunities for engagement and what seemed to be a very perfectly targeted consumer. The ROI was only 74%. So they're actually losing money at the office parks while they were getting over a thousand percent return, over a fifteen hundred percent return when they were at the airports. And so that variation was extreme and it came from including venue type as a variable in all of the data so that we could then analyze all the data and certainly segment the ROI by those different venues. And when we looked at it and we deconstructed back through where we were bleeding in the ROI at office parks, it became very clear that the target consumer was off. It wasn't the right kind of consumer at those locations, whereas the target consumer was hugely present at the airports. Um, I don't don't have the exact numbers, but they were enormously, the the proportion of time that they were reaching the, the key consumers the cargo consumer was approaching 100% at airports where it was much 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 lower At the office parks and that resulted in this radical difference in return on investment and so the point is to really reinforce the idea that you need to make sure that venue is a part of all your measurement and that if there's variations in what's happening at that venue you want to record that as well so that you have those as potential independent variables as potential causal variables when you're trying to understand the variation of effect and that's why I think it's so important that we keep in mind message to market match when marketing is working really well the message and the market are in alignment and when it's not working well they're out of alignment and as experiential marketers our primary tool to understand market match has to do and our primary means of managing and controlling a market match has to do with uh, the venues we choose and those destinations and you, including that in your analysis is going to be a source of great insights Okay, thanks again, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this information. I hope you'll reach out to us at portmore.com if you have more questions or if there's anything that we can do to help you. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. And and we hope you keep on listening. Tune in next time as Chris Clegg continues demystifying data. Meantime, head over to demystifyingdata.co to learn more.